Hello, everyone, and welcome to Technically Speaking on LocalJobNetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Carly Rubach. On Technically Speaking, we'll explore the latest social media applications for the modern-day workplace, and together, we'll discover the hottest technology jobs on the market and keep up with the latest high-tech trends. Now, I know most of us hop on Facebook and Twitter and just let our fingers do the talking without much thought. With this show, I'd like to encourage everyone to take a moment and think before you make your next status update. More and more recruiters are going online to view your profile before an interview or even as part of the screening process. So how do you create a professional social media profile and how do you make sure your profile is getting noticed? Joining us from Chicago is Amy Guth. She's the SEO and social media manager at the Chicago Tribune. She's also a columnist on SEO and social media. And she's going to share some valuable tips that we can apply to our social profiles today. Amy, welcome, and thank you so much for speaking with us today. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. All right, so why don't you start us off by sharing a little bit about yourself, um, how long you've been with the Tribune, and what you were doing before that. Okay, um, so I've been at the Tribune for just a handful of years, and prior to the role that I'm in now, I was working in the book section, and I was there right at the time that the iPad and the Kindle came into being and started to change things a lot in digital publishing. And so it was something that was... uh, you know, very interesting to me personally, and uh, and I was covering that at that time, uh, and so it was to, in my mind it was a very logical pro- progression into my role now because I was having to stay on top of uh, all these new technological frontiers uh, just to properly cover my beat and uh, do that job well. Prior to that, I was fairly freelance, and uh, I was promoting uh, a book that I wrote in the mid aughts. In uh, it came out in two thousand six. And, uh, you know, before, before all that, I did all kinds of crazy day jobs before anyone would pay me to, you know, pay me to write anything. Okay. So it sounds like you were interested in that technological shift in the book industry. What made you transition then into the social media field? You know, um, it actually kind of came before that, to tell you the truth. So okay. in 2006, when my book came out, literally a week before that sucker was due out in the marketplace, my publicist um, very unfortunately lost her husband and had to step away, which is absolutely understandable, but it kind of left me in a in a spot where I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do next. And so, uh, you know, I had just seen what digital had done to my colleagues in the music industry. And I thought, you know, we should, as writers, we should all be watching and taking careful notes of this because all of this is going to hit every industry and we should we should really be prepared and we should be preparing for it. And so I had that in my mind for a number of years. And then when all of that happened with the book publicist and her situation, her having to step away, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to lose momentum. I'm going to dive in, say yes, and keep going, and I'll decide if I like it or not later. I'm just going to learn everything that I possibly can. And so mm-hmm. I really got this, uh, you know, trial by fire crash course into social media. Mm-hmm. But, but as a result, I got to learn, uh, learn everything uh, the hard way, but I also got to learn everything pretty thoroughly and try a lot of different things to see what worked because, you know, I, I had nothing to lose but, but book sales. So, right. so I really just kind of jumped right in and decided, well, I'll decide later if I like it. And, and years later, when I stopped and looked back, I, 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 I realized I liked it very much. Okay. So then this idea of 
I, I mean, social media is essentially your career, and that's somewhat growing in popularity, or it's becoming at least more common, um, but it's still relatively a new field. So within the Tribune, did you see a need to help create this position, or was it already being created or established, or how did you present that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, uh, honestly, it was one of those squeaky wheel gets the grease sort of situations. Um, we had a couple of people that had tackled either um, SEO or social media around a very specific project. And we had someone working in the technology division, but no one in editorial and no one with, uh, you know, the the background that could understand the nuances of a news organization's uh, editorial department had really uh been at the helm of that. And so I kept realizing, you know, gosh, we have this story, but then our broadcast partner had had video. Another broadcast partner had audio. Our Spanish language paper, OI, they had something similar in Spanish or a resource. Why were we not working together? And, and quickly that grew into, why aren't we working together digitally? Why aren't we helping each other digitally? And so I really, honestly, I think I complained the loudest. And because of the role that I had in the book section, um, I, I was, you know, staying on top of all this stuff that was coming at us. And I, I think I, I honestly, I think I complained to the editor the most and the loudest. And it was kind of a case of, if I create this job and give it to you, will you stop bothering me? Yeah. <laughs> My first week on, in this role that I have now was the week of the big Chicago blizzard. Okay. And so I, I certainly kind of had... a again, had to just kind of jump in and learn as I went, but mm -hmm. it was certainly a great, it was a, what, that particular uh, weather event was a very interesting time to jump into a social media role mm -hmm. just because we did have so many resources coming from all of our different properties in Chicago. And we did have all these resources and, and all this content being generated by users and pulling all that together and presenting it in an organized and helpful way right. was, was a huge lesson and something that, that really helped shape the job very quickly for me. Okay. And you said you complained the loudest. So what were you, what upset you or what did you see? What was your vision for this job? And Well, I mean, I say this all the time, but, you know, your customers are talking about you online, whether you're there to interact with them or not. And we were, we were missing the boat just because our, uh, we, we weren't blowing it out as much as I thought we should. And we weren't, all of our different properties weren't working together and helping each other win. And I think that's what, that was the complaint really. It was just, gosh, this huge resource, we could have helped each other, you know, WGN, our, our, um, our, one of our broadcast partner, WGN radio and television, uh, you know, they would have resources that could help us and vice versa. And we weren't coordinating. So it really, it really kind of was born out of that. So can you walk us through what a day in the office for you might look like, what your current duties are? Oh my gosh, when I have a typical day, I'll let you know what it is. Um, okay, so so I primarily work in Chicago, but I do work with our other East Coast markets. We have six other papers, and I work with them too to consult on SEO and social media matters. Mm -hmm. um, but But primarily I work day in and day out in Chicago, and so I'm working on partnerships with our platforms, uh, with social platforms, with vendors. I'm working on uh, research, both SEO and just, you know, what's come, what social tools are coming up for us. There's long and short-term planning, both for news events that we can plan for way out and, and news events that are just happening in a week or two, but then also for how we're going to cover things, how we're, how we're going to include a digital element in a story coming up, something like that. And then 
on a dime, breaking news will happen and we will set all that aside and jump on top of that breaking news to either help people have inf the information they will need or just get the story out or, or whatever that particular news item requires. Switching gears a little bit, I want to speak to our job seekers. How do you, in your experience, how do you see social media changing in relation to the professional world and the recruiting process as well? I, I think it's essential. It used to be an extra. It used to be kind of a thing for us nerds to do. <laughs> and yeah. then, and now it's an essential. And, and frankly, I have a hard time considering a candidate who doesn't have a pretty robust social media profile. Hmm. Mm -hmm. across many platforms. I, I mean, I really, I, I think the only thing worse than bad social media is no social media, really. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, examples I'm thinking of just, you know, people reach out to me often and say, hey, I would love to work there on your team or something like that. And often I, I just, people will call themselves an expert or something like that, but yet I, I can't find them on Twitter and they, they're not on Facebook and they aren't on Google Plus or I, I just can't find them. Mm -hmm. I'm disheartened to see how, how many people are reluctant to use social media when, you know, most hiring managers I know, at least in, in my field, uh, require it. Yeah. It's really the job now. So do you think outside of your field it's, it's still important outside of the, you know, say I'm not applying to be you know, a social media manager at a company, I'm, you know, in marketing or in sales, do you think it's still important that I have those social profiles? Absolutely. If nothing else for personal branding. Mm -hmm. So let's move into some tips for our listeners. Assuming that um, we're looking to maintain a professional appearance online, what tips do you have as people are striving to build these profiles? Can you Maybe give us three tips for uh, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, actually, I, I will give two tips okay. that I think apply to all three because I think they're so important. Mm -hmm. And one of them is kind of a, an anecdotal tip. But, but basically, my almost 100-year-old grandfather asked me once to explain to him, you know, he said, uh, sweetheart, what is, what is a tweet? Do I need one? <laughs> Do I need to go buy one? What is that? And I didn't want to belittle his question because he was asking so earnestly. And so I sat him down and I showed him um, Sears and Craftsman and their social profiles because I knew those were brands that he has trusted for years. And in doing that, he saw a customer service issue resolved on the Facebook page. And he got so excited and he said, I totally get what this is. I totally get this social media thing. This is a return to that person-to-person -person business model. When I knew the, the postmaster's name and I knew the grocer's name and the banker's name and the auto mechanic and I knew a human being was on the other end of the issue and a human being was going to help me or at least try. And that has been a guiding force in everything I do in social media, that it's really person to person. It's not, you know, open up the broadcast frequency and bark things at people. It is, it is a conversation and it is person to person. Hmm. So I think that is, is something to just tuck away in your mind that, that really changes the approach to social. Cause I see a lot of people just kind of blasting information out and not connecting with human beings. And I see people uh, kind of having a uh, ready, fire, aim, snarky approach sometimes to conversations and discussions when there's a human being on the other, on, on those, you know, the other side of that account that you're talking to. And I think people lose sight of that. So I think that person to person business model is so huge. Mm -hmm. The other thing is uh, something that is often called the rule of thirds. And that is just simply this. One third of the time that you're online, promote your own stuff 
your company news, events where you're going to be speaking, articles you've written, your blog posts, whatever that is, promote your stuff. The second third of the time, promote things that are in your area of expertise or interest, but that do not originate from you. And then the third third of the time, answer questions, ask questions, retweet people, thank them for retweeting you, engage, be a human being and be social. Because if you just do the first bucket of, of that, you are kind of a shill. If you do the second bucket, people would say, gosh, she knows a lot about journalism, but I don't know anything about her or what her expertise is. And if you just do the third bucket, then it's, well, she's just here to talk, but I really don't know her expertise. Mm-hmm. And so one, one way that's, that's played out, for example, um, the vice president of HR here at the Tribune, when I was talking to her about getting onto Twitter, she thought, well, well, I can't. I can't tweet about my job. I can't say who's, you know, getting fired and going to rehab and you know, all that <laughs> stuff. And I said, well, you know, you could. And for that one day that you were still in the building, that would be a great Twitter account to follow. <laughs> but the way that ended up manifesting for her is one third of the time she tweeted about job fairs that we were sponsoring. She tweeted about job postings we had. She shared stories from our business reporters that were about the um, employment outlook and the unemployment rate, things like that. The second third of the time, she shared the stuff that already made her a knowledgeable professional. So this is articles from trade publications and resume tips and tips for recent grads and and things she was reading anyway, just because she was already reading these blogs to stay tuned into her industry. And then the other third of the time, she was was answering questions from people that she saw um, looking for job tips or looking to see if we were hiring or things like that. And so that's how she balanced it. It put her expertise on display in a very public way, but it also made her seem a lot more accessible and human. And I think that's really the key is to to kind of play it like that. And that works across Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, all mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about person to person and how even on social media, there's still a human being. And I just, there's so many critics of social media who think it's the most impersonal form of communication. So I think it's important to keep in mind what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I one piece of advice I've given to people sometimes that kind of struggle when they're first beginning on social media is instead of, on, on Facebook, it's that what's happening or how are you doing? And on Twitter, it's, uh, you know, what's happening right now or something, you know, in that field where you enter your text. Instead of putting, instead of taking that literally and saying exactly what's up, instead think of that as what has your attention. Because I think that's going to shift the focus of your tweet or your post mm-hmm. significantly. I mean, on a just very mundane kind of detail, if, if people always criticize social media as this kind of navel-gazing thing, and I think that's, that I really cringe when I do that because I think it was early on and I think it's evolved far past that now. And that, that to me, when I hear people say, oh, it's this navel-gazing thing, people talking about what they ate for breakfast, to me that that is fear. I just hear fear and reluctance to learn when I hear people say that. And, and so, for example, if you were to share what's literally happening, that's, that might be I'm eating a sandwich. But if you're going to say what's, what has your attention, that's going to be something like I'm still on the search for the best corned beef sandwich in the Chicago area, and that's going to be a lot different share, even mm-hmm. uh, even for something about a sandwich, right? Even that kind of goofy example, people are going to weigh in on that second one. They're going to go, oh my gosh, did you try this place? No, 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 try here, do this. And that's going to make a conversation. And so I think that's a very subtle point, but it's one I, I mention often to people that are reluctant be, and they don't know what to share. It's mm-hmm. what has 
tension is going to make for a much better share. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the rule of thirds might have answered this question for me, but I know I, I question a lot whether I should have separate profiles for my personal and professional life, specifically probably with Facebook. So what would you say to job seekers and professionals as they manage their profiles? Would you ever recommend two separate profiles or do you just have to, you know, use that rule of thirds to manage your one profile? I absolutely never, never encourage people to have two profiles. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless it is a case of um, me, the professional on account number one and my brand on account number two. And I think small business leaders struggle with that. I think that's fine. Your brand should be there and you should be there as a professional. But what I really hate to see is a professional uh, or a, you know, a human being having, this is the personal account of so-and-so for my professional tweets go over here. Because what that tells me is that you're holding something back on both. Just by virtue of what they are, you're holding back. Mm-hmm. And you're, there's a lack of authenticity. And frankly, I have trouble trusting that person fully because I know they, they're coming out and telling me I'm not, I'm not going to be completely all in on either account. And so what I think is re- what you can do to get around that and what I think is an even better decision is decide up front. Here's my limit for the personal information I will share. And that's going to be different for everyone. And then decide on the other hand, here is the limit for professional information that I will share. And that also is going to be different for everyone else. And then say, and here's the line for private. Because mm-hmm. just like you're, you, you wouldn't necessarily tweet your address, you probably wouldn't tweet your salary either. So there's private aspects to, to both your personal and professional lives. So I think it, it, the, the approach I encourage is to decide up front, this is what I want to accomplish by using social media. Even if it's just, I want to brand myself, I want to extend my network and that even something like that, that's okay. But decide here is my line for personal, here is my line for private. And, and that's where that is. And, and, and just decide what's too far and don't go there. That's mm-hmm. really what I advise. As far as Facebook goes though, there is a, a small gift and that is you can enable your followers. It was previously called subscribers. And followers will only get your public updates, mm-hmm. whereas your friends will get your, um, you know, your more limited things that have a more limited view. And that's one way, particularly in my field, you know, someone reads your byline and they want to connect with you on social media. That's fine on Twitter. But sometimes, especially for journalists, uh, you don't want to be Facebook friends with a source necessarily. And mm-hmm. so this allows you to maintain a relatively, uh, you know, personal and somewhat shielded Facebook account. And then for updates that you mark public, your followers are going to see that. And so that's where you post your column or your, um, you know, professional updates or something like that. Okay. That said, I think it's still important to realize, uh, and there was a recent example, um, a couple months ago during the election, there was, there was a journalist, I think in California who posted something, um, to her followers about, you know, something she had written. Here's my story this week about the election to her friends on Facebook. She posted something that had a a definite political bias. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. she called the, the opponent she was not voting for a very, not a, not very nice name. And so someone got a screen grab of that and that quickly called her credibility into question. And, And that may be an issue that's a little more specific to journalism, but I think in a lot of cases and just kind of across the board, we have to remember Social media is just putting our judgment on display in a different place, but it's the same good judgment we have to 
put on display all the time as professionals, you know, mm -hmm. because if, no matter what field you're in, if you went out tonight and did something awful and got arrested, you're going to be in the paper. And on some level, it's going to reflect your company or your field. And so I think that's important, too, that, that it's okay to restrict some of the shares on, on Facebook and Google Plus, but, uh, but it's important to realize any time, it only takes one screen grab for that information, for someone to share that and reveal a bias or a strong opinion or something like that. So, that, so I think there's also some decisions to be made there, too. Right. So common sense and think before you tweet and all that good stuff. Sounds right. Like. All right. So I want to jump into SEO, the fun stuff. Um, can you give our listeners a brief description of what exactly search engine optimization is? Definitely. It is really just the process of making a website or a web page as visible as possible. You are just optimizing it for search engines so that, and by search engines, I just mean Google and Bing and Yahoo and all that good stuff. You're putting your content in the best possible position to be understood by Google. That's really the, in its simplest, most distilled form. That's really what it is. So I saw you speak about SEO and social media at a conference a few months ago, and I was taking notes. I was really grateful for the tips, and I felt like I could just implement some things immediately. Can you maybe give our listeners some of those tips you're giving at the conference um, that people can use today to help improve SEO and their social media profiles? Sure. I would say an overarching thing, though, that people really need to realize that now is that social search is more and more of a thing and uh, it's very real and it's it's on <laughs> I mean it's really on and so and um, and by that I just mean what you do in social and who you connect with online has some bearing on the search results you get and that's kind of oversimplified but but in a nutshell that's what it's about and so mm -hmm. general SEO tips uh, you know you can't really talk about it now without also including some social media tips off the top of my head right I'd say First of all, fill out your Google Plus profile. A lot of people groan when I say that because they say, oh, it just works like Facebook. It's this copycat Facebook. But here's the rub. The Google Plus social network is but a drop in the ocean, and, and it does so much more than that. So you have to consider Google Plus, the social network, very much separate from Google Plus, the SEO tool. So even if you're not ready to use it as a social network, it's important to fill out your Google Plus profile. And that's Anyone with a Gmail address, you just click in the, you know, the upper left-hand corner. It'll say plus you. Right. Click on that and follow those steps and fill out your profile. And it's very important when you're filling out the About Me page that you're using very descriptive terms about your expertise and your field and what it is you're doing. Because basically that Google Plus profile is this wonderful opportunity where Google is saying, okay, tell me what I need to know about you. Tell me what it, what it is that you do and what you're all about. And that's a huge gift that everyone should take advantage of. Mm -hmm. The second piece is sort of connected to that. If you have a byline, if you write a, um, you know, participate in a company blog or an industry blog, or if you own your own domain, which I'll get to in a moment, but uh, if you write somewhere and your byline appears, definitely activate your Google Plus authorship. That's really important. And if you Google the phrase Google authorship, you'll see a quick couple of steps that you just run through and you verify an email address. And it populates the contributor to field in your Google Plus profile. And you're basically just letting Google know, hey, when you see my byline on this site, that's me. That's the same me that is the me in this Google Plus profile. And so you're helping strengthen the connections that Google is making about you and, and thus helping yourself online. Uh, the third thing I would say 
is decide what is doable for you and stick to it. And, and I would say conservatively decide what you can do with your social accounts. Because I see so many times people get very gung-ho, they jump in, they start tweeting a bunch, and then they drop it for months. Months, months, months go by and they're, they haven't updated Facebook or they haven't updated their Twitter profile or their LinkedIn profile is woefully out of date. There's a couple reasons for that. Not only does it make you kind of look like a slacker if you're not doing it, if you're not on top of it, but it also regularly updated content is very important to search engines. And so keeping your profiles updated and regularly adding content to them, regularly sending tweets and all that good stuff, that will help you in search engines too. And it will make your profiles easier to find. Okay. And so I say decide what's doable because if, if, you know, once a day or once every other day is what you can do, do that. And if you happen to add more some days, that's okay. But I'd rather people decide conservatively what is doable for their life and their lifestyle and stick with that than, than try to bite off more than, they can, more than they can chew and then end up kind of tanking in search engines. Right. So the consistency is more important there? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I would also say definitely own your own domain. If nothing else, even if you're not going to do anything with it, if nothing else, just keep someone of the same name from buying it before you do, <laughs> if nothing else. Um, but owning your own domain, especially having a blog on that domain, is extremely helpful and it is a wonderful way to control what search engines know and believe and understand about you. And kind of on that same token, I would say kind of the last main tip I would give would be reserve your social profiles. I cannot tell you how often someone comes to me and they, sa they say, okay, I'm finally ready to get on Twitter, but, but someone else has my name. Can we kick them off? Right. Nope. You know, you, you were years late to this party and someone else named Joe Smith has just as much of a right to that Twitter account as you do. And so it's very important to, you don't have to use the account. You don't have to jump on every new shiny thing. I mean, I, I call it new and shiny object syndrome, which is something I caution against, but it is important. Just, just grab your username so that you can control it and so that you're not being confused with someone else, especially if you have a really common name and you're probably, you and that other person with that name are probably fighting it out in the top of Google. So those would be, I'd say, the, the place to start and probably the most important things right now. You're obviously an expert in this area and you have a lot of different information and you're able to give all these great tips. What resources do you use to keep informed on all these advances and updates and SEO and social media? You know, honestly, connect online. I mean, I get I get so much news off of Twitter. It's it's really not even funny. But um, I also follow a lot of blogs. I think um, you know, I, people often ask me, "What books should I read to learn about this?" Don't don't read them because by right. the time they're published, they're the information is out out of date. So mm -hmm. don't do. But there's a ton of blogs to read. You know, TechCrunch and Mashable are really great places to start. All Facebook is another good blog, but also. Every big social media platform just about has a developer blog where people that work in the organization are talking about the things they're working on. Here's what's coming. Here's why it matters. Here's what you do with it. Here's how you use it. Here's the best practice. Those are very important. So I think um, that's a great place to start too is to watch, watch those developer blogs and, uh, and just see what's coming. And start, so you can sort of think about how can I use this in my particular field or what could I do with this or is this for me? And, and I think that's a great place to start too. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us. Amy, thank you so much for speaking with us today. I know I'm definitely walking away with a few new ideas and I hope our listeners are eager to optimize their social media profiles with the valuable information you've shared with us. 
Uh, and remember, everyone, just think before you make your next status update. Feel free to send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com with any comments or suggestions for Technically Speaking or any of our shows here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Carly Rubach. Talk to you soon.